0: Well, here's a question as we get started. Uh, What do you think? Can someone who is an atheist participate with God in the healing of the world? If a person who doesn't believe in God volunteers at the local homeless shelter, should we just dismiss that? Because the volunteer is not a Christian. Right? Or if an atheist adopts a child from an abusive home and gives that child a new home that's full of love and acceptance, a place where that child can heal from the wounds of their past, are we supposed to just dismiss that because, well, since they're not a Christian, God can't possibly be involved in that? Uh, Those are the kinds of questions that Cutter Calloway and I uh, wrestle with in this episode. Uh, We talk about culture. We talk about the church. We talk about atheism. We talk about the previousness of the kingdom. And we even talk a little bit about social media. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, it's a fascinating conversation, and I think that you will gain a lot from it. I know I sure did. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 50 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm here with Cutter Calloway today. Uh, Cutter is the associate professor of theology and culture at Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, and also the author of several books, uh, the latest of which is, uh, is titled The Aesthetics of Atheism. That's an interesting title. Hi, Cutter. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Good. Uh, Well, I'm really glad to have you with us. Um, Why don't you just uh, real briefly kind of tell us uh, what you do? I I gave you a little bit of an intro, but maybe just briefly what you do. And then we'll get into more of that a little bit later Then I got some kind of get to know you questions. But what do you do briefly? Well, I'm a jack of all
1: trades, a master of none. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, My core job is I'm on theology faculty here at Fuller. So I teach uh, classes uh, primarily in the theology and culture. Uh, mm-hmm. department and so that includes it you know when you add the and culture it kind of could be and everything so
0: okay uh, okay
1: you know I joke that I pick things that I enjoy doing and then find a way to theologize about them um, and so t- TV film uh, media the, you know the atheism book that you mentioned uh, okay yeah that sort of thing is really just kind of what are the conversations that are on the kind of leading edge of cultural discourse and how uh-huh. might we think about that as Christians? So that's, that's usually what I teach on. That's what I write on um, and what fills most of my days.
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, okay. So let me uh, ask a couple of get to know you questions. Uh, first one is what job would you be terrible at?
1: <laughs> a lot of jobs. There'd be a lot of jobs I'd be terrible <laughs> at, but I probably would be most terrible at anything that requires spreadsheet management oh, <laughs> yes. yeah. so like an, an accountant or something like that um oh actually if you if you merge spreadsheet management with financial management then i would be yeah. terrible let that would oh, be like a, a, a
0: perfect uh, terrible thing so <laughs> um, whatever
1: the job is out there
0: okay there
1: plenty of people that I, do, yeah you're not hiring me for that
0: okay good good um and then uh next question what would a mirror opposite of yourself be like oh man
1: um Thin and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know uh, about probably that. probably personality-wise, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, whatever, um, yeah. Uh, I, had, I had someone a couple of weeks ago say, well, someone from the Northern Hemisphere, they're from yeah. Australia, uh, oh, probably yeah, yeah. Asian. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well,
1: I, you know, probably, um, yeah, I'll just do more of the sort of sensibilities thing. Like probably some someone who is really certain about things
0: hmm.
1: um whatever that is i yeah. i uh, i don't know if you do the the enneagram at all yeah yeah I, i'm i'm a sort of casual observer so i okay. i i know a few of the numbers just so i can be conversant with people yeah um but a, a recent person yesterday sent me a, a new inventory that you can take and it'll assess oh. you really quickly and interesting um and whatever it was it 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 categorized me differently than I had been in the past, but uh okay. but one of it had something to do with this notion. It, all the questions had to do with kind of certainty, and and are you, mm. you know? And I'm like, wow, I just I don't I don't think that's me at all. So it would be someone that mm. really is sort of doggedly committed to to a particular view that is just they're absolutely committed to it, and and really in a in a genuine way, sincere way, like convicted that this is the way things are, uh-huh. uh, and
0: and that is just. Not me. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, okay, so I have, a, I have another get to know you question that I, I wasn't planning on asking if, if but if I feel like I can ask you this question because I don't I don't usually ask this because I think it might people might be like, I don't know how to answer that, but uh, but it's a kind of a fun question. What's something that you think you might very likely be wrong about?
1: Oh, oh! (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, part of it would be, what do I not think I, what was the opposite? What am I not wrong about? Right. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I probably will. Well, I don't know a lot of the stuff I talk about and write on and even just think about is um, the many places and spaces in which God is up to something. Um, and most often I, I advocated in a, in a lot of ways for saying we need to broaden our sort of view of where the spirit of God is active in the world. Mm -hmm. And that leads me into places that are sort of, you know, provocative, sometimes Mm -hmm. just, uh, controversial even. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think probably there are moments where I overcommit, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. I am not. Um, willing enough to pause and, and say, well, wait a minute,
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe
1: this has nothing to do with what guys are doing. Maybe this is just some, you know, I, it, you could name it something that's frivolous or silly or destructive even. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to sort of in, in my attempts to not overcorrect or overcritique that I'm, I'm, I'm going too far. And so that's probably, and there, so there'd be a number of places where that would be the same, probably uh, thing that I'm, I'm guilty of or yeah, yeah. potentially wrong in.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think uh, too often we we commit to a particular viewpoint without any openness to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else there might be that yeah. we don't know for, to fill in the gaps. Yeah, even in that's the name good. of
1: openness, that's what's so weird, right? Like in the name of openness, we can close down certain mm, things. So
0: it's, interesting. Yeah. So, what do you mean by that? Say, say something. Well, about I mean,
1: that. so I mean, I I often will say. You know, I'm, I really want to be open to where God is moving and leading out in the world, especially uh-huh. outside of the church and without reference to Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, and so again, I, I spend so much time doing that, that I often forget, oh, you know what? Sometimes God shows up in the church.
0: Um, interesting. <laughs> and, yeah. And I'm yeah. often
1: like, no. No, that's not. And I'm like, oh well, okay, maybe, you know. Um and so interesting. again, being too sometimes too critical there of saying no Christians get it wrong, we you know, they're they're misguided, they've they've misunderstood um i am
0: too quick to do that
1: and so that's okay. where in the name of openness i i will shut down those um uh, i try you know again i try not to but i i yeah. can i can be guilty of that for sure
0: yeah interesting interesting well uh good okay well we can, maybe that'll come up a little more i don't know um but that's that's fascinating um uh, last question uh what's the most formative book that you've read in my life uh yeah or e- even in recent years that's okay
1: um Probably in recent years, uh, a, a book by Patrick Reyes called Nobody Cries When We Die.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, it, and I just read this. It's been less than two years now. Um, but, okay. but he is a uh, Latino scholar, a theologian, now heads up the FTE, the Forum for Theological Education, um, and that's committed to getting uh, people of color into uh, the academy, specifically theological uh, mm-hmm. academy. And it's just a really amazing book, sort of telling his story of um, sort of the context in which he was raised and and what vocation is. Um, and he has basically this line that everyone's sort of core vocation, or at least his, was um, and is to survive. Uh-huh. The call to survive mm. um, and <laughs> which, you know, for most of the times we talk about vocation and things, it gets, you know, uh, especially for those who come from uh, sort of dominant culture perspectives or a more privileged perspective, it's more about like, oh, what, you know, what who's the best me and, you know, you know this yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. he describes, uh, you know, a man that was living with his mom at the time um, and in a drunken rage was like holding him against the wall, choking him mm. out, like trying to mm. kill him. And he said it was in that moment that he first heard God's voice and God's call on his life to survive. And I'm like, this is just a different starting huh. point for theology, different starting point for vocation, different starting point for yeah. thinking about um, the, the need for addressing uh, sort of rac- r- racial r- relations in the mm-hmm. church and theology. So anyway, it's just – it uh, from that moment – and he also talks about theological education as this place uh-huh. where you um, really cultivate soil that – that can lead people to flourishing. Uh, wow. and, and that sort of picture has really changed my understanding of what I do as an educator, yeah. um, from this sort of knowledge transmission kind of, uh, transactiony trans- transactional relationship mm-hmm. to a, what does it mean for me to help cultivate the soil here for, for a mm-hmm. variety of students to flourish? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it's just, uh, I recommend it highly to anyone and everyone. And, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Very cool. What was the title again?
1: Uh, nobody Cries When We Die. Nobody Patrick Reyes,
0: die. R-E-Y-E-S. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right. Well, let's kind of get into what I was hoping to talk with you about. Um, I s- sent you an email a few days ago and said, you know, part of the reason I want to talk about with you was because you're a professor of theology and culture. And I think that um, that's an important uh, kind of combination of of things that we need to be uh uh, thinking about uh talking about and and understanding like what's the connection between theology and culture so i guess i guess that's kind of what i want to ask like uh well uh, what i want to know is what's what what is the connection between theology and culture as you understand it and maybe tell that uh explain that uh, by way of what's your story and what attracted you to the um uh study of theology and culture
1: well, you know, kind of like I said before, when you <laughs> – culture is a, an interesting term because it kind of means everything. Um, I, my, m- my definition, which I take from colleague Bill Durness, I don't know if you've read any of his work. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, his definition of culture is um, the stuff we create from God's creation. Right. So okay. it's it's like what we make of what's here. Hmm. And that's sort of a basic a very like, okay, that, that works. Like culture is the sort of human creative capacity in action and embodied in all these different forms. Right. Um, and if that's the case, it really does apply to just about everything. Um, now, there are th- these various other ways that culture is used in the way that we talk about it, sort of colloquially, or then you know mm. more technically. But the reason that I got involved in that sort of project of why would I imagine these two things being related, theology and culture, is really from uh, pastoral experience. I My calling or vocation, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, really is, I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist, still ordained okay. actually, Southern Baptist. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I hold my ordination. Um, huh. And uh, I'm a what is it? A conscientious objector? I think is the best. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I I haven't left because I, I you know I'm I'm the son of it and 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 uh-huh. I can I can do no other but yeah uh, want to be a, a a a what is it a reforming presence with yeah intention. anyway okay point being um in that context you you receive a call to ministry right and it's almost mm-hmm. specifically to local church pulpit ministry. Okay. So early on that's how I envisioned my calling. I would be serving the local church at, in a pastoral capacity there and and did that for about a decade. Um you know started youth ministry. I was a church planter really. Church planter. I'm a CPK church planter kid and then um, okay. so no small wonder I helped plant churches after that too. Huh, yeah. Um And so uh, in those contexts, uh, I was serving as either like a youth pastor or a young adults um, pastor, or then kind of this during the time of the emerging church uh, led like a, you know, a a sort of a catch all for like this big mega church in Color Springs that didn't know what to do with all the Gen Xers and and other artsy folks (laughs) Um, or angsty, whatever. And so uh, those were sort of all the different uh, areas that I was in um, at different times, but But in each and every place, I realized that the the prevailing question that that we all had or the people that were in my communities had, had to do with what to do with the world in which we live, culture, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes Mm -hmm. that had to do with... Um, what do we make of this blockbuster movie or, or why are all my friends talking about this over the water cooler at work and I don't even know how to engage them yeah. um, or more broadly like what do we think about um, loving and being in the lives of our LBGTQ friends and neighbors what what do we um, you know at the time as a ministry is yeah, a little yeah. less prominent but um, what do we do about um, the sort of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. from the broader culture that's infected our churches? You know, all these sort of things yeah, right. um, really fell under the question of culture that that I realized we don't we don't have a good understanding of what that even means, much less how to then um, enter into some sort of relationship with it. So that was really what kind of got me going um, down the road of I'd, I'd like to explore this more. I stupidly uh, huh. thought that getting more education would answer the questions for me. Oh. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, uh-huh. I'm actually halfway through with a second PhD right now. Cause I oh, still wow. couldn't, uh, didn't convince myself. I'm, I'm actually just a lifelong student also. So that's, oh, okay. it's, it's fun. <laughs> um, but I, I think I keep convincing myself if I, if I keep exploring these, uh, realms yeah. at some point, I'll figure this out. And I, that's not true. Um, uh-huh. but That's really how um, I got into it was really the concrete concerns and questions of local churches Mm -hmm. saying what's going on in the world and what's our calling? How how might we participate in God's kingdom? Um, But to answer those questions, we really had to back up and go, well, what do we like? How do we understand our relationship to the broader world and how do we also understand what our responsibility is? And I realized we weren't all in agreement Um, and in some ways my failure as a pastor, um, I say I'm a seminary professor now cause I'm trying to learn how to be a pastor again. Uh,
0: um,
1: my failure was that I, I was either impatient or, and, or, um, got out ahead of my congregations in ways that, that didn't allow them to really envision where I was going. Um, mm-hmm. and I was pushing in ways that I don't think were sustainable. And so, yeah.
0: um,
1: but it was very clear that I had, different ideas. And all of us had different ideas of, of both what culture is, how the church relates to it and what our calling is there.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, uh when it comes to the church engaging with culture, like how why is I guess why why is it important for the church to be able to engage with culture? And and uh by culture, so I, I like how you defined it by the way, just kind of side note. Uh Bill Durness's uh definition, it's what did you say again? Everything um, it's it's
1: what we make what we make of God's creation.
0: Yeah, and so that includes art for as one thing, yep. but also government yep. and other social structures yep. and Agriculture, right, and uh, business, economy, economic, the economy, all, all of that is is culture, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. That, as far as I understand, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, why? Uh, if you were to explain it, why is it important for the church to be able to engage culture or to actually do it, not just be able to, but to yeah. do it?
1: Well, I mean, if, you know, if you start with that definition, for example, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good one, you you quickly realize that. You don't have any other choice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, So yeah. one thing, one thing we've inherited, at least in Protestant U.S. Christianity, is the idea that these are even separate things to begin with. Um, you know, because you get the the classic Niebuhr, you know, crest right. above culture, and that's assuming there these are these discrete entities that you somehow have to relate in some yep. way. Yep. Now those typologies are are fine for as far as it goes, but but if you start with saying, oh no, actually, we we are simply in a deeply profoundly relational or, or in a world that these things are just of, of a part. Um, there's no sense in which we are separate from culture. Now I do think we, we, when I say we, I do think Christians or any sort of religious community, mm-hmm. um, do what, uh, Catherine Tanner would call, we make culture odd. So <laughs> hmm, we take a sort of shared, um, set of resources and we make it odd in these, these unique ways. For example, most everyone eats bread and drinks wine, uh-huh. but but we do that in an odd way. Um, mm. And that in some ways constitutes what it means to be a part of the Christian community is you agree to enter into this ritual practice where we treat this oddly, right? But we're not imagining that nobody else has bread and wine. I mean, that's right. kind of a common set of things. So um, the point is that's all already bound up within our own you know, maybe the central practice of Christian worship is culture. Like it's there. Yeah, we, we can't get yeah, yeah. away from how that bread was created and the, whether it's artisanal bread or gluten-free bread hmm. or, you know, yeah, right. um, whether it's actually wine or grape juice or these other things, you know, um, yeah. we have already, we have brought in culture into our environment because we are humans, right? We create yeah. these sort of things. So yeah. the question isn't so much, how do you relate them? The question is, uh, really in what sense, do we are we reflective about the ways in which we are, in culture rated in our yeah. own worship practices? How does yeah. the broader culture inform those? And then how do we then move out from those uh, times of gatherings uh, to be redemptive presences in in the broader culture? So I think the reason it, your questions are uh, why should we care? Basically, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Why should we do yeah, it? Right. Is is because we are thrust into a world where we already are part of culture, and as I understand sort of the project of God, of how God is working in the world through God's people, um, there is something where we then are called to participate in God's redemptive activity in the world. Yeah. Um, and so that is, even on top of we are already enculturated, then we are also called to be this, um, to participate in what's going on in the broader world that we're set. Um, and and so to, to, uh, to not do it, to sort of remove ourselves from it is in some ways, to, to kind of abdicate our responsibility there.
0: Yeah. Um, as you are talking, one of the things that came to mind was, uh, uh, I think it's in uh, The Open Secret by L- Leslie Newbegin. He talks about the previousness of the kingdom. Hmm. And mm-hmm. um, right, it's this idea that um, uh, the kingdom is already out there. It's yeah. ahead of us, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not bringing the kingdom to the culture. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is in the culture, and we're invited to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of my understanding. Do you yeah. have any thoughts on kind of that understanding of Oh yeah, I mean, I, yeah. so
1: part of my, you know, we, we have both the school of theology and a the school of intercultural studies here at Fuller. And, mm-hmm. oh, and usually yeah. that's houses most of our missiologists, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're wonderful people and great. And often it, it's weird to me because I, I'm often working with my missiology colleagues and going like, well, everything I do is actually missional. I don't right. I don't, I don't know how to do theology otherwise. There are people that yeah. do, um, but but I don't. And it's partly what you're getting at is that anything I do in terms of a theology of culture has to do with with that. Like there's a there's a, an already – what did you say? Already? A present uh, uh, – Previousness. Previousness. Previous, Previousness. There it uh, yeah. is. Um, to the kingdom of God, that, that God's already involved in people's lives. God's already yeah. active. Um, it's just – that is a sort of theological, uh, I don't know, uh, commitment that I've yeah. got. Um And again, as I said before, sometimes leads me to overemphasize things, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. it's right. And um, and so, so as we think about what we do and what we're doing when we quote unquote engage culture, um, I think it's is really cast well in those sort of missional terms where we are simply um, participating in God's kingdom in the world that's already happening, whether we get there or not, whether we choose to participate or not um and that really does shift and this is again why having some some thoughts and some critical instincts about how culture shapes us and our imaginations is important because the idea that we are taking the kingdom anywhere um yeah. it on as us humans is such a sort of colonial mindset of mission yeah, um and right. that that is something that's co-opted our imagination in ways that are really unhelpful and and prevent us from seeing this, uh, previousness of the kingdom. Um, that, you know, it's, it's almost unimaginable to some that, that God could already be there. (laughs) Um, and if that's, if that's your starting point, um, that you're bringing God versus you're moving into a place where God already is, and you're really just looking for ways to discern where God is, is present and active. Um, the entire your entire posture is different. The the, mm-hmm. the strategies you take up are different. The language you use is I mean, just everything is fundamentally different about how you comport yourself there. Um, and that's why I think it's, yeah. it's 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 a both and both realizing it's sort of a theological conviction of of how God's kingdom works. But then also um, this cultural critical uh, lens of saying we always need to be self-critical in the ways that we are. Um, adopting and appropriating sort of contemporary cultural mindsets that might run against what we would say the gospel is about.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I haven't read your most recent book, um, uh, aesthetics of atheism, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't even know about it. (laughs) I apologize. And uh, I was, I I, knew about you and I wanted to talk about theology and culture, but then I was, you know, looking at your website I'm like, Oh, this sounds fascinating. And, uh, I, I, like I feel like what you're saying here probably applies to what you wrote about in that book just based on the summary that I read how does how does that apply like what does that m- mean how are we to understand uh, you t- you, in the summary you say something about the relationship or or or, or the- theism and atheism need each other and they're both part of culture, uh, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you have to read the book. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, it's a good tease us. Tease yeah, us. I'll,
1: I'll try, to, try to summarize and, and offer a tease. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there's, uh, if anybody that, like, reads polls or anything else sees that, especially in, like, the American West, uh, uh-huh. let's say North American West, uh, and when Europe is part, is part of the same phenomenon, but slightly different. Um and I I locate that because actually globally a very different thing is happening. But uh-huh. um my context as a theologian is is North America right now. So um you'll you'll read the polls and you see all the stuff of sort of deconversion or um the, the spiritual nuns, right? The N-O-N-Es. And um and a lot or even just recently in the news, there's been all these prominent uh what were sort of celebrity Christians in the evangelical subculture mm-hmm. uh coming out and saying, I'm no longer a Christian, yeah. or you know, whatever it is, right, right. Um, and okay, so that's a thing, and it's happening, and mm-hmm. there are a number of reasons—sociological, phenomenological, uh, historical—that that is happening. Um, and some of that I get in the book, but um, the the main question for me is, well, what do we make of it theologically, and what might we actually learn from it? So again, this is back to if you say. God may still be up to something here. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: what is it? As opposed to, this is obviously not of God. Um, let's right. go change it or fight against right. it or something. Right. Um, and so one, one approach could be to say, these people leaving the faith are losing something and they mm-hmm. are abandoning something and they are misguided and misunderstanding. Um, if you simply say, well, w- what if they're actually onto something um, and what's happening is, in fact, calling out something that's missing within Christianity, something that that the sort of modern Christian church, again, in the West has failed to account for. And if that's what's happening here, how might that actually teach us something about not just how we've, you know, quote unquote failed, but actually something that strikes at the heart of the gospel. And, um, you know, I I basically do in this, I I co-authored it with a colleague of mine, Barry Taylor, um, and and he is brilliant. And we kind of just sat down and hashed out these crazy ideas and then I'd go and sort of feverishly write them down. And and early on we said, well, what if we did sort of an atheistic reading of the Gospel of Mark, for example? Hmm. Um, And the reason is because a number of of artists and um, specifically musicians are really sort of fascinated with the Gospel of Mark in particular and the Jesus in Mark. Um, but also my uh, my own ongoing sort of uh, struggles with that text, right? That yeah. that at the heart of the gospel, I would say writ large, but then also the gospel of Mark is this moment of atheism, where hmm. the the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, yeah. God incarnate, yeah. says. God, you've forsaken me. Uh, you've right. you've abandoned me. The language there is apostatized, right? Like God mm. somehow apostatizes against God's self. Um, and you get the, whether it's the GK Chesterton or the Jürgen Moltmans or whoever of the world that say, this is the moment where, even if just for a moment, we don't totally understand it, but God uh-huh. becomes an atheist. So there's, there's this really sort of paradoxical, I would almost say mystical uh, yeah. moment where at the heart of our faith is a moment of actually the death of God. And and if we're going to take that seriously, what does that that mean? And for me, engaging with um, atheist artists and filmmakers Mm -hmm. and musicians um, shed light on the gospel in a way that I think it was inaccessible otherwise. And that's part of the larger project just for me of theology culture. But then this book is to say – It's one thing to go and provide sort of a theological interpretation of something. It's also another thing to go, what if we invite those voices um, to show us things about our own sacred texts that we might otherwise not see? Um, And that's sort of what I did. So, you know, you go through and I, I, you know, I, I analyze stranger things, you know, uh, the Netflix show and Uh um, the work of David Bowie and Leonard Cohen, and then. Um, the art of Damien hurst And and in all of these, I'm saying, OK, if you really want to know and te- sort of get a sort of a temperature or, or a barometer reading of what it means to be a quote unquote atheist in the world today, check out these. This is a great yeah. you know, distillation of it. And then if we start from that point, um, how do we understand what's going on in society and how might we think theologically about it? So that's yeah. um, really what the book's about. And I okay. think that's enough of a teaser that <laughs> okay, <laughs> God's an atheist and you can learn things from Stranger Things.
0: Yeah. Well, OK. And so. Um, uh, OK, so when I think about w- what god wants to do in the world okay and i'm going to come back around to yeah. the atheism thing um i think of it in terms of shalom um that and and um it's not my definition but i don't remember where i got it but my the definition that i use for shalom is a comprehensive state of well-being that touches every aspect of life yeah. so uh, as i'm thinking about it right now that touches every aspect of culture right yeah. as well yeah. a yeah. comprehensive well-being mm-hmm. that that that's what god uh, wants and so that includes spiritual Spiritual well-being, mm-hmm. um, but it also includes physical well-being, emotional well-being, mental well-being, financial well-being, uh, you know, business well-being, uh, uh, earth environmental well-being, right? All of that. Yeah. So, um, uh, so uh, when I think of God's mission, that's what I think of. It. That's what God wants yeah. for the world. Uh, uh, shalom. Um, is it possible for atheism to be a participant in the bringing of shalom or or anything that we would look at and say well that's not christian (laughs) you know (laughs) and 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 should we feel okay about that
1: (laughs) well there's a lot of different ways to answer that um okay and and i'll try to just pick a couple so it's it yeah um, i give some hooks here um one book that you and and listeners may uh, be interested in is uh Rob Johnston's God's Wider Presence. Hmm. Um uh and it's subcolon uh I think it's reconsidering general revelation. And okay. and he he kind of tackles this I think in really compelling ways and I've used it um in a number of my writings as well. Um because there's I think the easy answer is just yes. Um, That throughout biblical history, throughout just my own life, you see all these moments where um, very much God is using people who do not identify as the people of God or even the people of faith, you know, like committed in any way Mm -hmm. um, to even theism uh, to bring about um, what I would call a either movement towards Shalom or something that we would say is is leaning in the direction of, of where God is going Mm -hmm. Um, and often that that comes in the form of either sort of a direct kind of, um, intervention, right. Or a direct critique when the people of God forget and fail to do that. Um, I mean, my sort of, I don't know, quick summary of the entire biblical narrative is Mm -hmm. it's a story of the people of God. Uh, forgetting that they are the people of God, or how to do it, and God sending people who aren't a part of their community to remind them uh, <laughs> what's going to happen yeah. because they've forgotten. Right, right. right. Huh. Uh, so because of that, you get constant um, sort of prophetic voices from outside of, especially Old Testament, the the um, the the nation of Israel, saying, "Hey." You've been called to do such and such, to to yeah. care for the widows and orphans, to you know yeah. care for the sojourner in your midst, et cetera. And you're not doing it, right? Your, your worship stinks in my nostrils, right? Hmm. Um, and time and time again, the people of God reject that message on its face because God doesn't speak through those people. Yeah. God speaks through us. Um, yeah. a, a classic example in Johnson's book is uh, King uh, Nico. In, um, the, this is accounted for twice, both in Kings and in Chronicles. Um, and I'm going to mix up. I don't have in front of me um, uh-huh. which one. It goes this way. But but one of – I think it's the chronicler who kind of says, you know, Josiah, who is the you know a, the reforming king, right? The, yep. the king yep. who does all this great stuff, brings worship back, gets down all the, the idolatry. Um, just a really outstanding king. Um, right. dies, you know, it, 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 it uh-huh. just, and, and that's it. And the other account, um, it's because the, uh, King of Egypt, Pharaoh, King of Egypt, Nico, uh, needs to get through Israel to, to fight. Um, I believe it's the Assyrians on the other side. Um, okay. and he comes through in the languages, uh, King Nico comes to Josiah and says, please let me pass through, um, God, um, the, you know, the God that you worship, um, Elohim, uh, and this is uh-huh. the generic word for God um right. has told me to do this and Josiah says no that can't be right i'm not going to let you through and the text says Josiah did not heed the words of god through the mouth of nico mm. and goes into battle and dies <laughs> and so and it says because he did not heed the word you know like and wow. and you would imagine you put yourself in Josiah's shoes and you go yeah. this is the godless egyptian king how dare he claim he speaks, he's a mouthpiece right. for what God, how dare he be an ambassador for what God wants in the world? Right. Um, it's almost like we we would be obligated to to protest that. Um, yeah. and, and it's a really clear indication of, well, actually, no, we get it wrong. <laughs> you know, we yeah. we mess that up and we don't own, we being the people of God in this case, yeah. don't own God's work and God's movement. And so if, yeah. if God can speak through... Nico, like this, I mean, again, you can't, you just can't imagine a worse person (laughs) to be the the purveyor of God's voice there um, than an Egyptian king. Uh, If that's the case, well, then it does make me think at the very least, we should pause. Um, At the very least, we should pause and and say, okay, now, everything else is telling me this is not (laughs) a person that is speaking on behalf of God, or has the the interest of Shalom in mind. But am I humble enough? And do I have a sort of um, a, again, a posture towards the world that allows me to hear that and really do the due diligence of discernment to say, is God up to something here or not? And, and the hard point I think for all of us is it's never clear cut. And um, in every instance, we need to gather with our community. I mean, again, I imagine, I'm sure Josiah met with some wise counselors sure. and stuff before he did all this. And I'm sure they all said, this seems right. And it still turned out wrong. So, yeah. you know, we, we can, right. we can make a mistake. Um, but it is back to can, can people who are not, uh, Christians at all, and maybe even flagrantly, blatantly anti-Christian be a part of that project. I, th- I think it just has to be yes, yeah. but it's not always, of course, it's not right. always in every case.
0: Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so sometimes culture can be a a breaker of shalom Mm -hmm. um funny side note so someone posted totally unrelated it just made me think this will this will get a laugh so (laughs) i'm gonna come back though uh someone posted on twitter hey type this and let it do the autofill thing you know um, um you're like hi my name is uh whatever and then destroyer of and then just put the autofill of the next thing in you know <laughs> since 19 whatever the year you're born and the thing that it came up with for me was hi my name is marcus destroyer of shalom oh. since 19, <laughs> <they do it. laughs> Yeah, so i'm like what come on uh, well yeah, i guess that's that's that says, that means i use the word uh, enough in my uh, you know that it's noticed uh, anyway uh, autocorrect uh, correct. right right <laughs> um so right sometimes culture i think can be a destroyer of shalom mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. we see that in the world yeah. but I, I, yeah, I think sometimes it can also be a restorer of shalom. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, uh, how can we not how can we we say that God is not in that? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and I think yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a great point because because if culture is what humans make, then, of course, it, it can do both. I mean, because it's, yeah. it's a human right. endeavor in this way. Right. Now, it's yeah. infused by the spirit of God. And and hopefully those those of us who are in tune with that can participate in more constructive ways than others. Um, but yeah. I, even again I get back to um this has really been something recently I've been thinking through of I really think the people who need the gospel more than anybody else are Christians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in part because you see throughout the gospels, the people that are closest to Jesus are the ones who totally misunderstand him all the time. Yeah. So so having this um relationship or insight or whatever the inside track is actually n- doesn't mean doesn't uh sort of dictate that we will be the ones who in our cultural creation are leading towards shalom and others aren't yeah. um mm-hmm. because it always has to be this is something this is god's project first and we're yeah. called into collaboration
0: i think yeah. the other yeah.
1: interesting thing too that um you bring up twitter is and again this gets to where the yeah. the term culture can be so broad and it, it, what are we talking about and um, but that's really interesting because um, we're actually doing a technology conference here in the fall um, at Fuller, and uh, I am now more recently pretty skeptical of social media in
0: particular—not
1: mm, technology broadly understood—but sure. in part because um, social. Me- if I'm a, a, a sort of uncritical fanboy of this guy Jaron Lanier, I don't know if you know that okay. name, mm-hmm. um, and he's sort of a, a techie, web, uh, a Silicon Valley guy um, that also is a philosopher in a sense about technology. Um, and he explained a lot of why I've had such a, uh, rough, um, relationship, uh, uneasy relationship with social media. (laughs) Hmm. Um, and, and part of it has to do, I think with, um, the way it's structured. So. A lot of us think about and talk about like, how do we have constructive conversations online or whatever? And I'm a little I don't I don't know if that's all that possible, not because there's not a technological means for doing that, but because of the way that in particular social media platforms are designed. Um, And so whether it's autofill or whether it's the way it filters your feed or whether it's the kind of uh, articles that, that come to you. Um, This is all driven by big data algorithms. And those algorithms are designed to manipulate our behavior. Um, And they feed off of sort of radicalization and polarization. Um, They have uh, invested interests by giant multinational conglomerates um, who own our identities. I mean, like all of these sort of things. And what's interesting here is now when you talk about culture and what's leading towards Shalom or not, um, I'm often reminded of, of Paul's language about not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a level of culture that I, I'm kind of now separating between what I would call systemic and structural. So, so there are these sort of structures that condition all of our existence. And I think one of those are these digital platforms. Mm-hmm. They operate invisibly sometimes, at least the structural components of it, not necessarily yep. my Twitter interface. Um, But all the backgrounds of Twitter um, and Facebook and and Instagram and these structure our relationships, our habits, our societies in ways that are dictated by faceless, nameless entities. Four or five of them that run the globe, really, um, that own all the information and stand to profit off of all of this. And I go, if we're going to wrestle against something, we're going to call out something that in culture, quote unquote, that is working against Shalom,
0: I mm. think we need
1: to engage at this structural level um, in in far more uh, intense and sort of strategic ways than we normally think of culture, yeah. quote unquote. We normally yeah, yeah, think yeah. in terms of, again, the stuff we make, like the, the film or the television show or the music yeah. or, or even right. the government. Um, and I would say right. government is – closer to like a systems level thing. It's the systems we build on top of these superstructures, if you will. So anyway, it's, it is a great, I think, example of how even my own, um, back to your first question of mistakes I've made, or what Mm. what was it Uh, where I've been wrong?
0: Oh, yeah, Um, right. right.
1: I was probably I in, you know, even this is within even 18 months, this has changed for me of being a little too much of a sort of techno optimist of, mm. of just saying, cause I, you know, I just, there's a lot of naysayers, especially in yeah. Christian circles And I'm like, yeah. ah, you guys are, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, overcorrecting. I, I think this is right great. Um, and I've really paused and said, wait a minute, huh. there's something else going on here. It's not simply about digitality. It's about
0: yeah. how we've actually structured this thing and it's not actually leading to, to healthy shalom. Yeah. In, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. I, uh, I don't know what I did to mess up my algorithms, but uh, I started getting ads for Fox News all over the place. Oh, am yeah. Like, oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that, um, let me ask just uh, kind of, uh, yeah, right. Um, let me ask one one uh, final question, and um, you kind of touched on this already, but just maybe summarize. Like, what would what's what would you say is a healthy posture? For the church and for leaders, for pastors, for you know uh, anyone in, in leadership in some way, or Christians in general, to take toward the culture uh, as a whole, what's a good po- healthy posture?
1: Well, um, it's a it's not an easy answer, um, mm-hmm. and but I think it's clear in my mind right now, yeah. um, and it's the the guy on the side of the road who is helped by the good Samaritan. Um, Mm. if you're going to think about just a picture of what is the posture Mm. towards culture and the reason I say that is because you would want to say, I think generally we go, oh, we're the good Samaritan in this parable, (laughs) um, helping culture that needs us, whatever. And, uh, actually I think just exegetically, if you look at who Jesus is talking to and who is, who are the main characters who begins and ends the story, it actually, the. The person we're supposed to identify with, I believe, is the man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who gets beat up and mm-hmm. left for dead on the side of the road. Yep. Um, and what's what's really, I think, challenging about that is to say, at least right now, in the, in the 21st century American West, uh, Christian, let's say even Protestantism, let's just boil it yep. all down. Sure. Um, one of the healthiest postures we can take right now, I think, um, is to say, we actually are in a place where we need the other, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of condescending toward culture and saying, we are going to redeem or fix or bring shalom to culture because of we have the resources, we have the knowledge, we have the inside track on who God is. Yeah. Instead to say, what if actually we need to invite the other, the cultural other, the religious other, yeah. the identity logical other the fox news other right yeah, right um, right <laughs> to, to touch us to to mm. actually get their hands dirty on us and and uh, you know did you did you see the mo- movie crash from years ago
0: oh yeah um, i did yeah there's
1: this great scene um that you know it's, we we it, we i don't think we quite get it again being modern day people reading that parable um, but and there you have the Thandie Newton character in the Matt uh, yes. uh, 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 Damon, yes. Damon, no, Dylan. No, Dylan. Uh, Matt, uh, yeah, Matt Dylan. Right. Dylan, yeah. Matt Dylan. Um, and, you know, before he's basically sexually assaulting this woman. Right. And, the other, and then it turns out he was the only person there to help. And, and it's this amazing moment where she is just radically rejecting his help
0: right. She's trapped in a yeah, car. Yeah, she's trapped. she, her, she flipped yeah. her car over, and he's the one who shows up. Yeah, of to all the people, yeah. and I
1: and I think that's a pretty close approximation mm. of modern day Good Samaritan. Where you go,
0: wow, yeah, what?
1: And and like, I'm not. It's it's unconscionable for me to even imagine letting you touch me, much less help yeah, right. me, much less be my right. savior. And here. she resists
0: him, right? Yeah, doesn't absolutely. she? And, yeah. and the
1: scene is it's amazing because then she comes to a point where she has no other choice.
0: Right. She
1: has she has to because she's the car's going to blow up, right? Um, now, this yeah. is very dramatic, you know, I'm pointing all this yeah, other yeah. stuff, but in sort of real world, world terms, I think that's kind of the challenge we're facing is that we've, mm. we've inhabited a cultural world where we are very good at sort of living hands off from people who we would rather not have them touch us <laughs> or us yeah, touch them. And yeah, if we are going to yeah. engage, it's us toward them, right? It's us yeah, on our right. terms bringing to them what they need and what, you know, Right. but instead to say, I have to be so vulnerable, that I'm going to let you help me and touch mm. me even though just two days ago this happened, right? That's yeah, just right. unimaginable that I would ne- – right. and that – it's a really profound challenge because it – one, it's hard I think for any of us to, to get to that point. But two, um, it does raise the question of, well, then what then do we do? Like we're Americans, right? We are doers yeah. of things. We we yeah. <laughs> We have a Protestant work ethic. And I think it's really challenging to think maybe the best posture right now is not actually one where we're getting up asking the first question is, what do we do for culture or to culture or with culture? But yeah. it's instead, how do we listen to, learn from, and humble ourselves yeah. Um, yeah. in ways that, that allow us to be to be evangelized by the God who's at work mm. out there? So. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's great. That's fantastic. Uh man thank you. Uh thanks for sharing all that. Let me just give an opportunity. How how can people find you and your work online? Where where can they go if they want to know
1: Well, anywhere fine books are sold. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my name is Cutter Calloway, spelled with a K, K U T T E R, Callaway all A's like the golf clubs. Okay. Um, and so you can go to cuttercallaway.com. Um you can also okay. google me at at uh, fuller.edu has all my info oh, but yeah. also apparently has my old uh assistant <laughs> professor title yeah, you that's right I'm an associate yeah. um, but, but by and large there um, I host the Cutter Callaway podcast so you can just find uh-huh. that on iTunes or SoundCloud or anything um, okay yeah and then all my books are okay. available on Amazon so
0: all right good I'll put all those in the show notes Sweet. and hopefully people can click through Wonderful. hey thank you I uh, really appreciate this conversation uh, really really good stuff and um, yeah and uh, anyway I'm grateful yeah thanks for having me Man, I love Cutter's suggestion that the best posture that we can take toward culture, at least at this time, is that of the injured man in the Good Samaritan story. Uh, You know, in a lot of ways, the church is wounded and bleeding. People no longer trust the church, or at least don't see much need for it. Christianity is perceived by many as contributing to the divided and divisive world that we live in today. And I think in some ways, the most common question that people ask about Christianity, and this is just my guess, there's no data to support this, but I think a lot of people ask this what good is Christianity? What good is Jesus? Maybe what we need to do is start listening to the King Nikos of the world, right? Maybe we need to allow ourselves to be rescued by the untouchable Samaritan that we call culture. Well, as Cutter mentioned, you can reach him uh, through his website, CutterCalloway.com. That's Cutter with a K and Calloway with a C, and uh, I'll include that in the show notes. Uh, He also has a great podcast titled The Cutter Calloway Podcast, which addresses these kinds of questions, and uh, I'll also include links to some of Cutter's books in the show notes. Uh, If you'd like to connect with me, you can check out my website, MarcusWatson.com. That's Marcus with a K, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at at MarcusWatson, and even on Instagram at at Marcus Watson. And on Instagram, uh, Marcus Watson, uh, the O is a zero. So W-A-T-S zero N. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts and you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so grateful for you and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership.